Hey, Pie Tribe, buckle up for a new episode of the Passive Income Examiner, the number one podcast for budding entrepreneurs and business owners looking to diversify their income with passive strategies. Welcome to season two, focused on building successful online businesses with evergreen marketing solutions. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland. Thanks for joining me. Hey, friend. Really quick before we dive into this value-packed episode, I want to take a moment and remind you about a free resource I have available for anyone who's just getting started in their passive income journey or who wants to add to their multiple streams of income by adding another vein of passive income. It is a free download for you. It's called Five Ways That You Can Earn $5,000 a Month With Passive Income. After doing this podcast for a year and a half, I have spoken with some of the most successful individuals. Another thing I've done is I have weeded through a lot of baloney (laughs) online and have pared down for you the most legitimate ways for you to make money with passive income. Because I know that that's one thing that's really holding a lot of people back is that what if I get started and it doesn't work out? Or what if I get started and I discover after I've invested a bunch of money that it was a waste of time, etc.? I understand that is the exact reason why not only I started this podcast, but I created this PDF is to help you have a roadmap and more importantly, for you to discover what passive income strategy aligns with you the most. In that PDF, we talk about pros and cons of the various methodologies as well as I have it linked to specific episodes with experts that we've had on the podcast that talk about and teach those primary sources of income. So I want you to either head over to the passiveincomeexaminer.com to get your free copy of it. It's on the homepage. Or if you're driving or you don't want to head over to the website, that's okay too. You can text the word PIE, P-I-E, to 33777 and get your copy that way as well. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Can you guess what is the number one most detrimental mistake entrepreneurs make? I'll pause for a moment while you take a stab at it. It's not marketing incorrectly, choosing the wrong topic, or mismanaging your expectations, all of which can be costly, but ultimately, not as costly as focusing daily on income-producing activities. Often, this is the mistake that most business owners find themselves in accidentally, or shall I say, accidentally on purpose. You see, it's the same philosophy as a dream without a plan is just a wish. Or if you fail to plan, then you're planning to fail. The point I am making here is... That if we are not intentional about our daily action and specifically income producing action, then we are essentially choosing to struggle, although it may feel like a surprising accident. If you're a new entrepreneur or a business owner who's been trying to grow your business but cannot seem to reach beyond a certain threshold, or maybe you have a side hustle that you've really, really wanted to make your full-time gig, but you just can't seem to bring the income up over that threshold that you need to be able to call it full-time, then this episode is for you, my friends. 
You see, I understand when we wear all the hats in our business, or maybe too many hats, how easy it is to get lost in the mundane activities that feel so pressing and important. And although they have merit (laughs) and they may make a difference in our business, they don't always necessarily produce income. Back in the early 2000s, between, I'd say, 2004 and 2008, when the economy shifted, people would rather invest in repairing their daily driver than upgrade to a new vehicle. Many people were losing their jobs at that time in their homes, so frivolous spending was curtailed. New car dealerships began seeing the results in this as sales plummeted. At the time, I was working in the service department, which was a very safe position for me during that downturned economy, but my role closely tied me to the sales department. I'll never forget the moment I walked upstairs at Midway Chevrolet in Phoenix, Arizona to see Paul, the manager of the sales BDC, which is a business development center. And when I walked in the room, it was completely empty. Other than the desks, everybody's stations had been cleaned out. I looked at Paul and asked what happened and wondered where everybody went. He said the dealership downsized and I could see the look of fear in his eyes, wondering if he was next. In one day, the entire department was eradicated. At least eight or nine people lost their jobs just like that. The sinking feeling in my stomach is still a poignant memory And the realization that came from that moment was a catalyst for many decisions I made in my career. The realization was simply that unless you are an income producer and you're good at it, then you are expendable. Midway Chevrolet was not the only dealership to make that choice. BDC departments nationwide began closing down that during that time because dealerships realized that without walk in traffic, their salespeople, who were paid only if they sold something, straight commission, had plenty of time to man the phones and make those outbound calls. That lesson was punctuated by the observation that the top producing employees in both sales and service seemed to be able to get away with a lot more than lesser performing employees. Many of them could come in late, not show up for a shift, mistreat customers, and essentially write their own ticket. I was only in my early 20s when I was learning these interesting lessons as an up-and-coming employee, and at the time, I could not understand why some people could get away with so much while others who were hardworking were written off. And eventually, it became clear that hard work had very little to do with success because employees who were following the rules to the letter were not getting treated the same as those who broke the rules, but produced. In the end, it was clear to me that success, quote, success, in the industry had far less to do with hard work and more to do with results. So as I progressed in my career, I put those lessons to work in every position I had, whether I was building a BDC department, overseeing marketing, or in a sales position, I applied the golden rule of employment. Income producing equals job security. I even went so far as to build my BDC departments in such a way that each month I could show the net dollar value of each employee. 
I knew that based on their outbound call efforts only, each representative was worth five to $10,000 of net revenue per month. I had a proven system and I did that so that if ever the time came around again for downsizing, management would definitely think twice before cutting my department. There are really very few positions in a business that are considered a necessity in downturn times. Often the accounting office is spared and primarily the skilled people who are more cross-trained or have more experience are typically the ones who are kept. Trust me, I have definitely sat through enough manager meetings where we had to make hard decisions about who would or who would not get let go and who would stay. And I'm proud to say that my department was never on the chopping block. You may be wondering, what does any of this have to do with running a small business or even acting as a solopreneur? Do you think that if you are the owner or the solo employee in your business, that you can't be downsized? Here's the bad news. You can. It's called quitting your business or going out and getting a job instead. But here's the good news. You can also avoid it and have com- you have complete control over that fate, but only if you take control. It is important that we have our own board meeting with ourselves on a regular basis and evaluate our activities, our effort, and our results. Imagine yourself as the boss giving a yearly review to yourself as the employee, except I advise you to do this quarterly instead of yearly. Not only will this help you become more efficient, but it will also put you in a position to produce more income. Right now, look at your calendar if you can and mark off an hour this week to host this so-called board meeting. During the meeting, make a list of activities that you do, especially focus on your daily activities, then categorize them by income producing or non-income producing. If you have tasks that are questionable, put them in a third category. Usually the questionable ones are where hidden opportunities lie or They are activities that build and feed the pipeline in a long-term way rather than short-term instant gratification type of manner. So for example, recording this podcast is nurturing my audience and may lead to super fans who could eventually buy my products. However, that is part of my overarching business model and does not produce immediate cash in hand like networking with people on LinkedIn or running Google ads. So after you list your daily actions, Take note, if you are spending 80% of your time or money on non-income producing activities, my friend, then you are destined to be downsized. Now stay with me here because if that's the case, there is often a mindset block going on and I will address that here at the end of this episode. Do you have podcasting questions? Are you looking for a community where you can learn and grow as a podcaster? Hi, I'm Greg, creator of Indie Drop-In Network. Join me and Jeff Townsend, a.k.a. the Indie Podcast Father, on Twitter Spaces every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern for Podcasting Power Hour. Every week, we are joined by experts on different aspects of podcasting to help the community learn and grow as creators. We tackle questions from podcasters at every level. Just go to podcastingpowerhour.com for links to the space and to hear previous episodes. 
That's podcastingpowerhour.com. When you work for yourself, it is easy to get distracted and unfocused by filling up your calendar with arbitrary meetups, collaboration calls, or end up spending your days, quote, educating yourself rather than taking action. Not to say that educating yourself isn't valuable, but it can come after you do your income-producing activities. Next, brainstorm the following questions. What are income-producing activities you could do more of? And how can you leverage other people or technology to help you achieve efficiency with the list of items that are not income-producing? All right, I've just decided to take these notes that I've made and I'm going to put them up on my blog at the Passive Income Examiner. So if you would rather go there to see these questions in action, it will be easier for you, um, you know, rather than repeating this episode. When you're ready to sit down, head over to the Passive Income Examiner and look up the June 7th episode. And then we will be able to work through that and make it a little easier if you're not in a position that you can take notes right now. To demonstrate what I'm trying to say, maybe this will help it stick with you, is I want to share with you something my dad used to say, which now that I think about it is rather graphic and weird, but it's still got truth and merit. So I'm going to say it here. He used to say, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Growing up, that always seemed to make sense because my dad hated cats and I just never really questioned why somebody would say that. But now that I'm saying it here on a podcast, I'm wondering why would anybody want to skin a cat in the first place? It's kind of weird. Nevertheless, (laughs) the point of this odd phrase is there are many ways to get results. If you decide that you're best suited for non-income producing activities, that's fine. Then find someone or some other way to get results. Let me give you an example. Maybe you're a social media manager and you love creating graphics and spending all day on social for your clients, but you hate finding new clients and all the tedious things that come with, you know, gathering clients, managing them, you know, like creating invoices, onboarding, and so on. And maybe you're struggling right now because you just feel this resistance to going out and finding new clients. That, my friend, I want you to put yourself in a position to get clients coming to you. Maybe you have to hire somebody who's going to be doing the outreach for you, like a client acquisition manager, or perhaps investing in a human. You run some sort of um, ads or use some sort of digital technology to help market for you automatically. You just by the way, I just want to go on a bunny trail here. This is something that I particularly love to do. After working with clients, I have really discovered that finding unique and creative ways of driving people and, you know, driving traffic is what I call it, is what is really fun. So if you're looking for some creative ways to set your business up so that your funnel, your sales funnel is more automated totally reach out to me, head over to the passiveincomeexaminer.com and schedule a consultation. We, I, I can come up with tons of ideas for just about any business. It's literally the thing that makes me the happiest when it comes to marketing. So now you know. <laughs> All right. So what I hear from time to time from other home-based business owners, and this goes, by the way, this goes for mompreneurs 
direct marketing agents. I'm going to tell you guys a story about a when I was in Mary Kay and this thing that I did that made me successful. It ties right into what we're talking about here. Content creators and other service-based business owners. Here's what I hear over and over again. They get stuck when it comes to outreach. They freeze up. They procrastinate. They hide from the activities that involve pitching. They don't want to comment. They don't want to get into the DMs. They just have this block. And that, my friends, leads me to the mindset portion of the episode. But before I jump into that, I want to share with you uh, when I started doing Mary Kay. Now, I know a lot of you might have heard on the podcast, I think I've mentioned it, that I've been a part of many networking uh, side hustles, right? Like opportunities in my career, I have done so many, but I never took them seriously like I did Mary Kay. I signed up for Mary Kay around the time that I was pregnant with my third son and I was going to have three months of maternity leave. And it was my goal during that three months to replace my income. Now, mind you, during that time, I was in a very high paying position. So replacing my income was definitely a major thing. It wasn't like making a couple of thousand a month. I mean, I was talking about making tens of thousands a month. So I had my work cut out for me and I had just had a baby. (laughs) My little one went with me to all my appointments. But one thing I noticed that made a big difference for me and when I started to get traction and I really built up my team was I made one fundamental different change and that was simply this. I decided to tell one person a day that I sell Mary Kay. That was it. It's so simple and it was so scary and so hard, but it was so transformative. And so that's why I'm saying like what no matter what you do, if you're a social media manager or if you are selling Mary Kay or some other company, you have a service-based or a product-based business, but it requires you making that output. If you don't share yourself every single day, that income producing activity, then you are seriously holding yourself back and making it so much harder. All right, now for those of you who find yourself frozen, like this one example, when I was standing inside Target, this is one thing that we used to do in Mary Kay that I wasn't a super fan of and ultimately part of why I pulled myself back from this. They were telling me, or at least my upline was teaching me to go to Target and just randomly chat. They call it warm chatter with people and women specifically, obviously. I would go to the makeup section of Target and loiter around waiting for some woman to come to like pondering what makeup to buy. Okay. It's so pathetic, but it's so true. And I did that and I stood there and I saw this one woman and I remember having the biggest, sweatiest, stressful moment (laughs) just trying to decide how to talk to her, just how to talk to her. In the end, I just want you to know, I did talk to her and I did book (laughs) a facial, (laughs) but I probably seemed like some weird freak standing there for like, it felt like ever (laughs) waiting to come up with the words to say. And that can often just be obviously a training issue, like had I had a script, maybe that would have been better. But 
It could have also been a mindset piece. And that is what I think most people get stuck on. And listen, I am not above this. It's crazy. Even after 20 some years of working in the car business and making this outreach that I'm talking about, okay, even in the silly story of me and Target with the lady, it, it from that all the way to, you know, making 100 phone calls a day to prospects who had inquired about a car 300 days ago. I've done all that. I have literally called people out of the phone book and booked them to come in to buy a car. It's crazy. I tell you this because even though I have done that, I still get nervous when it comes to outreach for my own business. Friends, it's something that you could deal with and struggle with forever. Don't expect it to ever go away. If it does, that's awesome. But if not, it's normal. (laughs) But it's a mindset. This is the strategy I use. I'm going to tell you the mindset strategy that I use to help me get over that hurdle, push through that fear, and put my butt in action mode. Okay? That's what this is about right now. So after you've made your list of income-producing activities, take time to block out your schedule and every working day that you work, right? Like you might work three days a week, you might work five days a week, it doesn't matter, whatever days you work, put at the very top an hour of income-producing time and put down exactly what you're going to do for that income-producing activity. Do not leave it up to chance. Do not let yourself wing it. Because what will happen is you will spend the first half figuring out what to do. (laughs) I guarantee you, take the time to plan it out. Do the same action for at least two weeks. Four weeks is better. So then you can really measure your results and then make changes from there. But every day, first thing first, money-making activities. I would even go so far as to take those activities that are income-producing, your brainstorm list, and put it up on your wall so that if you're ever feeling, I call it squirrely, that's that moment when you're You reject what you told yourself you were going to do and you're like, nah, I don't think that's a good idea. Suddenly you have some other brain child. Forget about it. Put the list up on the wall so that you can hold yourself accountable and say, no, these are the things that I'm going to do. Put them up there. Now, here's the most important piece. And I mean it. It's the most important piece. Tell yourself that doing this activity is a non-negotiable. It is a non-negotiable. Think about it like this. If it was your job, right? Let's say you applied for a job and you have a boss. That's not you. (laughs) And your job was to make 100 phone calls a day. Heck, even 100 out of the phone book. You know what you would do? You would buck it up and you would grit your teeth and you would dial the phone. And you might suck at the beginning. Probably will. But over time, you're going to get better at it and better at it. If in the end, it was your job to produce five appointments for your boss, you would get the job done. You would. It's really just important to do it for yourself. 
And what's really holding us back isn't that we don't want to do it, because obviously we do. What's holding us back is the idea of rejection or that somebody might say no or that nothing will come of it and then we will have failed. Irony, isn't it? We would rather take zero action and guarantee that nothing comes of it than to take a risk that we might be told no. Here's the thing. It isn't that we're consciously choosing to set aside these activities It's that we are not intentionally choosing to do them. And by that, I mean, and that goes back to what I said in the beginning, that when it comes to doing it for ourselves, it often gets tabled and suddenly those non-income producing activities seem really important. Our brain is wired for security. So when it feels unsafe to make those outreach calls or efforts rather, whatever it is, if it's an email, phone call, DM, it doesn't matter. It feels unsafe. But then when we look at this list of to-dos of other activities, all of a sudden our brain justifies it. Oh man, I really needed to fill in the blank. And then we get sidetracked and unfocused. So circling back by making it a priority to do the income producing activities every day, it works. And I'm going to tell you something. It reminds, every time I say this, it reminds me of a boss I had. His number one training thing. It was funny because he wasn't that much of a trainer and he admitted it. He goes, I'm really not very good at communicating. So I don't really have a list. A lot of what you're going to learn, you're going to learn on your own. Okay. But he said, the number one rule is money first. Money in, money out, always first. That meant because I was in accounting. That meant if I'm receiving money or paying money, money first. And he drilled that into my brain so much that it's like in my own business, it's like money first. I need to be focused on if that means I need to be invoicing, if that means I need to be getting new business, money first. Act, action first. Okay. So I want you to keep that in mind when you, after you have your meeting, you book out your time, you have your meeting with yourself, you review those things, you put it on your calendar, and then you go to town and you stay committed to this every day. And I want you to just imagine right now, simply by making this one change, how far you'll be in 90 days. Listen, I'm done beating this horse. I know you can do it. My gosh, my analogies this time. Skidding a cat, beating a horse. Okay, (laughs) it's time for me to wrap it up. Stay tuned for next week when I go through a list of income producing activities for the online entrepreneur. And although I do look forward to producing that episode, I believe that each and every one of us knows what income producing activities we need to be doing more of. So don't wait for that episode to get started. All right, friends, that's it for this week. Bye for now. If you like mommy, so leave a review. Thank you so much for being a loyal listener. I am truly grateful for you. And if this podcast has inspired you in any way, head over to iTunes and leave a written review. I would appreciate it so much. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks for helping to spread the word by sharing this show with your friends.